and uh, Brother William Davis uh, from Macon, Georgia, in the process of building a new, brand new church on about 15 acres of land, a prime location. And Brother Davis is going to be speaking to us today, and when I say this, it's going to make you're going to realize how fitting the subject is for him. Speaking in tongues, no apologies. Brother Davis. having a rhinoceroslly good time. And all of this has been hippopotamusly good. That guy's not the only one in those big words. Let's lift our hands and love the Lord right now. Thank you, Jesus. If you would turn with me, please, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verse number 4. Hebrews 6 and 4. And um, our PowerPoint is um, probably not as thorough as most of these men. I don't know anything about a computer. Everything I do, I have to handwrite. My son told me if I'd learned about the computer, I could be great and well-known and have a lot of fame. I said, it's too late, man. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, that if they shall fall away, to renew them again into repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Let's love the Lord one more time and ask Him to bless His good word to our minds and to our hearts. God, in your good name. You may be seated. Thank you. It is the purpose of all species to survive to bear young and to secure the survival of their offspring. It has become known as the law of the wild, learning to eat without being eaten, survive, produce, and survive by the skills and the strengths that we have. And it is also the nature of this great church that we produce, that we survive, and that we assure the offspring their chance at survival. And our tools of existence are the Word and the Spirit of the Eternal God. And that if we compromise or diminish either of these two issues, we only diminish and we shrink in the population of the New Testament Apostolic Church and put them in jeopardy in the future. When the Word of God says that it is impossible to renew people who are once enlightened in taste of the heavenly gift and partakers of the Holy Ghost, if they should fall away, this is not a scripture referring to backsliding. Anybody who backslides can come back to God, because usually it's a fact of being overcome by flesh and failing in their walk with God. 
But to fall away from truth and disembrace the principles of God's Word, that is entirely different. The reason is this, is that you cannot be saved apart from faith. And that if you disembrace truth, then it's quite obviously you do not believe truth. And if you do not believe truth, then you cannot be saved without faith. So everyone here, young ministers as well, any and all of us, should wake up and understand that there is a tremendous danger in disembracing the biblicals and the principles of God's eternal word. It was the words of Jacob when he came, or rather to Joseph, when he came to view and to have his first acquaintance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And it was Joseph who said to his father in Genesis 46, When we go into the presence of Pharaoh, and he shall ask, What is your uh, occupation, and what have you known, what have you been, and what do you do? You shall say to him, All of us, all of our children and us, from our youth up, have been shepherds. We've done nothing and attended to nothing but shepherds handling sheep and cattle. Because, he said this, because every shepherd is an abomination to Egypt. Joseph knew that the moment the culture of Egypt caused them to, re, uh, to diminish to such a level that everything about them would be lovable, acceptable, then they would be swallowed up in the world that they would live in and they would never get out of. We can never compromise to be loved or to be accepted. There is only one God, and that God is eternal spirit. And it was manifest in one person, namely Jesus Christ. And Galatians, um, or in 1 Corinthians 5, 19, to wit that God, who is spirit, who is one, was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. There is one God who is eternal and without ending, and he is one. He fills heaven and earth in Jeremiah 23, and that God is in this house and in this place today, and he's in the body of believers and in the apostolic New Testament church. The culture has always had a problem with the church. In uh, March of 23, 1989, the Exxon Valdez began a run to Long Beach, California, for the purpose of delivering 1,264,000 barrels of oil. It ran aground at 12... Uh, 27 a.m., and within three hours, 138 million gallons, uh, or 138,000 gallons of oil had been spilled. By 9 o'clock the next morning, 200,000 more barrels of oil uh, had spilled and was covering 18 uh, square miles. Eventually, it covered 10,000 square miles. They applied disbursements. It did not work. They set it afire. It did not work. They come to one conclusion that an oil spill cannot be contained or can be controlled. It saturated the sand as far as 18 inches in depth. It covered the rocks. It saturated all of the animals, their furs, their feathers. It suffocated the fish. And it brought death and it brought a terrible situation to the land that it uh, had spilled in. It swallowed all of its world around it until it finally controlled everything about it. The church in this world suffers more from the onslaught of the culture. Its purpose is to cover, to saturate, and control. We have to realize that we are not here to mirror the culture of our world, nor this religious culture in which we live, nor the psychological culture in which we live. But we are here to mirror the face of the eternal God. We are here to mirror one true God. We are here to mirror the fact that Holy Spirit baptism is for all people, and it is evidenced by speaking with other tongues. We are here to mirror to this generation that one can live holy and godly in a wicked and a perverse generation and a world that is evil and wicked. We are not here to mirror our society or the culture that we live in. When people see the face of an apostolic church, 
They do not see the face of the world, but they see the face of one God. They see the face of a church baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Spirit, and redeemed by the power and cleaned by the blood of the Lamb. It was the Apostle Paul who said, I am what I am by the grace of God. The Hebrew world of religion, the Greek world of culture, and the Roman world of government were not able to make Paul what he needed to be. So Paul said, when you see me, you do not see the Hebrew world of religion, the Greek world of culture, and the Roman world of government. What you see is the grace of this eternal God, who is able to come down and save any and all people. God's church is put here to be the light of the world, the city on the hill. We are here to show forth the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into the marvelous light. And we're here to preach this gospel, the only gospel of Galatians 1, to this entire world. Everybody needs to know who Jesus is, and everybody needs to know the power of the new birth. But we are not born of corruptible things, but of the incorruptible Word of God, and we're born again of water and of the Spirit. It is so important that we comprehend that Holy Spirit baptism is a biblical principle and is set forth clearly as the promise of the Father. In Matthew 3.11, Luke 3.16, Acts 1 and 5, Acts 11.16, and Acts 2.30, it all refers to the promise of the Father as first introduced by Jesus and then John the Baptist. It is easy to understand that everybody has a chance and the opportunity to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And uh, that the promise of the Father is that everyone who believes, repents and believes, and is baptized into the name of Jesus Christ, shall receive the gift and have the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit baptism. It was John, when he introduced this in Luke 3, he was talking to those of all of the... Uh, uh, the coast and the area of Jordan. He was speaking to those uh, Jews. He was speaking as well, the Bible said, verse 12, to the soldiers, to anyone and everyone that was around him. He was saying, I indeed baptize you in water, but there's one coming after me mightier than I. The latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to lose, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Everybody understood this was not confined to those on the banks of Jordan. For in Acts chapter 11, it's the Apostle Peter who said, when I saw the Gentiles receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, then remembered I the words of John the Baptist, who said, there is one coming after me mightier than I, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Ladies and gentlemen, this was not confined to three ethnic groups, it was whosoever will, let him come and drink of the river of life freely. John 37, 38, 39 speaks about that if you are thirsty, you can come and drink, and that you will be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified, but it was poured out in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. The Holy Spirit power and the baptism of the Holy Ghost is for all men everywhere, even from the first century, even until today. There are too many people that skirt the issue of Holy Spirit baptism. Recently, there was a letter that was written, one of uh, expressing an apology and asking for forgiveness that they had uh, instructed people from Oneness United Pentecostal at one time, United Pentecostal Church Minister, apologizing to the religious world that what we have done has committed a grave error. When people wanted to come to Christ, we circumvented and pointed them to this uh, uh, spirit 
seeking, Holy Ghost baptism seeking. And when we've done that, what we've done was uh, we misdirect them from Bible and from truth when the Holy Spirit baptism was not promised, nor the doctrine evidence of speaking in tongues was not promised. So we left the trail of bodies. We left people at altars, our sons, our daughters, our children. We left people come pursuing, seeking, and hungry for God. And we left them at the altars, not receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Ladies and gentlemen, that is all in error. The fact is this. We do not preach you must seek for the Holy Ghost. We do not preach you've got to search for the Holy Ghost. We do not preach you have to beg for the Holy Ghost. We preach you must receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost as set forth in the principles of the Word of God. Now, we have brought ourselves into a terrible state in the religious world in that circumventing the baptism of the Holy Ghost as if it is not for us today, but it ceased at the turn of the century. In my Bible discussion over the years, I have talked with many uh, religious people and in Bible debates, I have talked with them and they always bring up the fact that the Holy Spirit baptism only came in the book of Acts and at the turn of the century it ceased. The only ones had it was the apostles or upon whom they laid their hands upon. I was recently at Mercer University again this year. I've been there five times and I've spoken on Pentecostalism for 30 minutes and then answered questions from the audience for the next 30 minutes. And right in the middle of my discussion, uh, Dr. Sheridan, who is an ordained Baptist minister, spoke up and said to the student body, said, I would like you to listen carefully to what Reverend Davis is saying. He is saying something entirely different than all the other pastors or ministers we've had to come and speak in regard of, of salvation. And he said, let me see if I understand what you're saying. He made a huge circle. He said, I think you're saying that salvation is by faith, through grace, and the Holy Spirit infilling and baptism into the name of Jesus Christ in the circle. I said, yes, sir, that is what I am saying, that I understand that is what the Word of God teaches. And he said, now, you're not saved, that you're saved, and on the outside of the circle is a secondary gift of Holy Spirit. I said, no, sir, I am not saying that. I am saying that Holy Spirit baptism is for whosoever will, let him come, and he can receive as a gift the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he said, young, uh, he said to the class, please understand that what Reverend Davis is actually saying is that Holy Spirit baptism is for people today that they can have as a part of the salvation process the Holy Spirit baptism with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I said, that's right. And all of the students looked at him as he made a final statement. He said, and that's how the religious world gets around the idea of Holy Spirit baptism is they say it stopped at the first century when the apostles all died. Reverend Davis and his congregation of people does not believe that. He believes that the Holy Ghost is for whosoever will. And it is in our world, it's in our Bible, and every man can have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, number one, please understand that what I'm trying to communicate, and I'm moving with such speed, I'm going to miss some of this, but uh, I've got to hurry, so I'm talking as fast as I can, and I don't know where we are. Uh, well, that's none of mine. Uh, okay. That's okay. It looks good. It looks good. It looks good. I'm short enough. You can see everything. That's a good thing about it. Okay. But uh, it, is a, it is a fact that God's Word, clearly establishes that the Holy Spirit baptism is the promise of the Father. John said in Luke and in Matthew 3.11 and Luke 3.16, the promise of the Father. He 
Peter reiterated that in Acts 11. And then in Acts 2.38, the cardinal principle based doctrine of God's apostolic New Testament church, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise, the only one that was uttered, the promise of the Father, for the promise of the Father is for whosoever will, even as many as the Lord our God shall call to those that are afar off. Every man, if since the age of the apostolic church was born in Acts 2, you can now have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You do not have to pay. You do not have to seek. You do not have to wrestle. You do not have to press. You must repent and you must believe. And if you will believe, you will receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The letter went on to say that by telling people to seek, travail, and beg, you absolutely misdirect them into an area of false doctrine. That is the only statement the man made that I agree with. That is a fact. But we do not preach to people you must seek, travail, and beg. We believe that you must believe. In Acts 2, did they believe? Yes. Acts 11, Peter said, they received the like gift as well as we who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts 10, did they believe? Yes, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word and believed. In Acts 19, Paul said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They all believed. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost power. You don't have to beg. You don't have to sweat. You don't have to jump. You don't have to plead. You don't have to fight. You don't have to wrestle. You have to believe. And you have to repent. And you have to yield yourself to the baptism and the work of the Holy Ghost. And God says it is for whosoever will that him come and drink of the river of life free. Now, a statement was made in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Do all speak with tongues? And the answer is, no. But please understand, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are two dimensional presentations of the Spirit of the Lord. The first one is, brethren, now concerning spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts, I do not want you ignorant. I don't want you ignorant about spiritual gifts. Not about baptism. About spiritual gifts. Now, in regard to spiritual gifts, do all talk with tongues? Do all prophesy? Do all have the gift of healing? Do all do the work of miracles? No! We're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. But in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, we're talking about spirit baptism. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. If you do not believe in spirit baptism and water baptism into the name of Jesus Christ, you cannot get into the body and you cannot get into Christ. There is no scripture anywhere that says you believe into the body and you believe into Christ. You cannot believe into Christ. You cannot believe into the body. You're baptized into the body and you're baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. You have to be born again of the water and of the spirit or you cannot see the kingdom of God. You do not get into the body of Christ by mere believism. Nor do you get into Christ by mere believism. Romans 6, 3 and 4, we're buried, baptized into Jesus Christ. You get into Christ by baptism. You get into the body by baptism. It is an act of the Spirit placing you into the body. The purpose of 
baptism is to place you into the body. The purpose of spiritual gifts is to edify the body. When you're baptized with the Holy Ghost, it puts you into the body. And then in the body, you have spiritual gifts that edify the body. So does all edify the body with tongues? No. Does everybody edify the body with prophesying or preaching? No. Does everybody edify the body with healing, gifts of healing, working of miracles? No. But once you're into the body, the body is edified by spiritual gifts. How long are the gifts with us? First Corinthians 1 and 7, that you come behind in no gift waiting on the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16, which not the spirit, despise not prophesy, rejoice evermore, shun the appearance of evil. How long? Until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. First Corinthians 13 and 10, when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away. But until the perfect thing is here, then we still have the tongues, we still have the gifts, we still have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There is healing in the house. There is deliverance in the house. Our God is in this house right now. There is one God, and His name is Jesus, and you can have the Holy Ghost house. The, the world in which we live, the culture in which we live, has taken the name God and allowed it to be a, a name which would embrace whatever you structure as God. A whale, a tree, a bird, or God. You take the name God, you structure your God, and you worship. We do not accept that in this culture. You will understand that we will never be able to accommodate the culture in which we live with our doctrine. We will never be able to accommodate the religious culture in which we live with our understanding of God. More and more, they say, why don't you give in a little bit? We're not going to give in at all. Why don't you change a little bit? We're not going to change at all. We are right. We don't have to change. We are right. There is only one God. And he's not manifest in three persons. He's manifest in one person. Second Corinthians 2 and 10, Paul said, But whom I forgave, I forgave in the person of Jesus Christ. There is only one person, not in, but of the Godhead. And that one God is in one person, namely Jesus Christ. There is not a triumph, tritheistic, Trinitarian concept of God. There is no such thing as one God praying to another God. But that one God, who is Jesus, and the name Jesus embraces the entire panorama of the when you say Jesus, you have said everything that there is to be said about this one true and eternal God. Therefore, I baptize you into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. We need to encourage our younger generation to study consistently. Faithfully know the Word of God. Understand what we believe, why we believe it, and develop that ability to articulate and communicate the principles of the Word of God to this generation. Everybody needs to understand that there will be those always among us who will leave from us and promote something perverse and contrary to what we are and what we believe. 
we should never be intimidated about what anybody says about us. The gays are not intimidated to be gay. Madonna is not intimidated to be evil. Hollywood is not intimidated to be wicked. This generation is not intimidated to do anything they want to do. So why should the people who is right, who has God, be intimidated by believing that there is one God and there is one name? Why should we be intimidated about being holy? We do not mirror our culture. We mirror the principles of the Word of God. Holiness, holiness is the highest virtue of the divine attribute and nature of God. Nowhere does the Bible refer to any attribute of God as great and as powerful as the holy attribute of the nature of God. Nowhere does it say power, 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 love, love, love. Mercy, mercy, mercy. But when it comes to holiness, it says holy, holy, holy. Whatever you understand about God, you understand that He is one. He is without beginning and without ending. He fills heaven and earth. He has one name. He is holy. He is holy. And He will always be holy. And He's going to have a church that bears His name, that has been baptized into His body, and that is filled with His presence, and that has the gifts of the Spirit, and that's a holy and a God separated life. Nobody needs to be intimidated by a world that doesn't know what they believe, who they believe, what they got, or where they're going. Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Well, they say, some say you're Jeremiah, and some say that you're Elijah, and some say that you're Isaiah. And they were kind. They could have said, some said you're a glutton and a wine and the son of a fornicator. But they didn't want to say that. But the point was made, there was no consensus in the world as to who Jesus was. And today, there is no world consensus as to who Jesus is. If you and I don't know who he is, nobody in the world knows who he is. But there must be in the church one consensus as who he is. He is God. He is spirit. He is without beginning and without ending. He is the first and the last. Revelation 1 and 8, the Almighty. There is one God, and that God is in this church. And you can have the salvation promise in Acts chapter 2. Now, Hebrews 2 says this. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which was spoken first to us, by the Lord Jesus Christ, and confirmed to us by them that heard him. Now, I did not hear him. I wasn't there. Paul Mooney was not there. O.C. Marley was not there. Damage French was not there. Robert Sagan was not there. Billy Graham was not there. The Pope was not there. But Peter was there. He heard what our Lord said. He confirmed to us what he heard our Lord say. Then Peter said unto them, Repent. So whatever anybody else says, if they were not there, then they have to take a secondary place. Who was there? Peter was there. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift 
is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Peter was there. Paul was not there. But later he had the revelation and the understanding. And that's why he said in Galatians 1, the we or the angel Moroni of the Mormon church preach any other gospel. That's what we've already preached. That he'll be a curse. What Paul preached and what I preached. There's only one gospel. Faith and prayer and resurrection. I know in whom I have believed that he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Receiving the baptism, and I know I'm covering several areas, but um, they only let me speak once at this conference. I have to pay to do that. I couldn't afford twice. It's a great conference. Can you believe anything this great? That all we do is come in here, true, 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 true. Huh? It is so exciting to come together. To watch people smile and feel good and see a large crowd last night at Full House as we discuss the basic fundamental principles of the doctrine of Christ. There are many people that try to communicate the idea that the Holy Spirit baptism is not in our world for our believers today. They use this argument. They say this. In the book of Acts, there were two baptisms. One in water, one in spirit. Then they said, you come to Ephesians 4 and 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, which means baptism of the Spirit has been dropped, and there's only one baptism in water that is for the believers or for the world today. Well, the point is this. Ephesians 4 and 5 says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, above all, through all, and in you all. Spirit baptism. One Lord, one faith, one baptism is water baptism. In you all is spirit baptism. But in Hebrews 6, the doctrine of baptisms plural. Now, the book of Acts was written in 54 A.D. Ephesians was written in 60 A.D. But in 67 A.D., the book of Hebrews was written. So, in Acts, we have two baptisms. Then in Ephesians 60 A.D., you have one baptism, if you read it like that. But in 67 A.D., we're back to two. The doctrine of baptisms, one in water and one in spirit. It is safe to say that there is one way to be saved, that is by faith. Number two, repentance. Number three, baptism into the name of Jesus Christ. You cannot believe in the Christ, get baptized in the Christ. You cannot believe into the body, get baptized into the body. And the moment you deny and denounce and renounce baptism, you have shut anybody out from a chance to get into the body of Christ. You can't join it. You can't shake a preacher's hand. You can't get a bumper sticker. You don't get a new testament. It doesn't happen like that. But it happens like death, burial, and resurrection. He that believeth that is baptized shall be saved. And these times shall follow them that believe. Into the body of believers. First Corinthians twelve and thirteen. 
Do all speak with tongues as spiritual gifts? No. There are three types of tongues. Tongues as evidence of the spirit of baptism. Tongues as interpretation or tongues as the gift that has to have the interpretation. Third is the first Corinthians 14 and 2. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. How did he speaks in the spirit? Mysteries. There are three types of tongue speaking. One, evidence of the spirit. Number two, the gift of the spirit as the gift of tongues. Number three, personal renewing and devotion. The question was asked, if you can readily receive the baptism, and this was by a former United Pentecostal Church minister who said if you can receive the baptism, why was it so hard? Why did many people come and leave without receiving the Holy Ghost? Why did some talk in tongues and not do it for the rest of their life? Why is it that many of our kids never got the Holy Ghost? Our people would come and leave and never got the Holy Ghost. Therefore, it must not be right. Let me tell you, the problem is not in the doctrine, and the problem is not in the spirit, and the problem is not in the tongues. The problem is in the preacher. When you can preach to people, and you can't give them faith to believe the Word of God, there's something wrong with your preaching. If the problem is in the church, when we don't have enough worship and enough prayer, that people come in, get hungry and thirsty after righteousness, and they don't get the Holy Ghost, it's our problem, not doctrine, not God, and it's not a tongue problem. The problem is simple, that if you preach, if you worship, if you preach the truth, how can they preach except they be sent? How can you hear without a preacher? And how can you believe without hearing the Word of God? So if you preach the Word of God, and somebody believes the Word of God, i got news for you. They're going to get baptized in Jesus' name, and they're going to get baptized with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Everybody clap your hands and shout yes to the Lord. It is so good to come to church and to worship and to pray and to sing. And Paul said, I will pray with my understanding and I will pray in the Spirit. And I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. The Holy Spirit baptism is not an error of the Pentecostal people. It is not a misconception of the Pentecostal people. There's nothing wrong with the doctrine of being baptized with the Holy Spirit power. There is nothing wrong with the evidence, doctrine, of you speak with tongues as evidence of Holy Spirit baptism. The problem is not in the truth, and the problem is not in the doctrine. But the problem often is in the church and in the pulpit. If you do not preach it, there will not be faith. If there is not faith, there's not going to be Holy Spirit baptism. There's going to be begging, whining, complaining, and reaching for something in ignorance and in darkness. But when you preach this as the Bible said, preacher, then Peter stood up with the eleven. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's too early in the day to get drunk. But this is that promise by told that in the last days I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. That man began to preach about Jesus Christ and the baptism of the Spirit, and then they were pricked and cut in their hearts. What shall we do? And Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I had a man tell me one time, he said, the problem with you oneness people is you are hung up on Jesus' name. And I said, well, that's true. Isaiah 28 says, they shall hang upon him all the glory. 
of his father's house. We are hung up on the only name given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 4 and 12. The question was asked. Why don't you baptize in the name of wonderful counselor, almighty God, or everlasting father? You said, that's his name. That is his name. Jehovah Elohim Adonai. That is his name. Jehovah Rai, Shemaiah, Ray, assisting you. That is his name. But that's not the name of 4 and 12. But salvation is in no other. For there's none other name given among men. Those names were given in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, salvation comes in one name. And that name is Jesus Christ. For God is highly exalted in Philippians 2 and 9. And given him the name that is above every name. That is the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow. Every tongue should confess. The things in heaven. The things in the earth. The things under the earth. That Jesus Christ is Lord. In the glory of the Father. That is the superior name. That is the saving name. That is the healing name. That is the redeeming name. And that's the name that brings remission. And ultimately the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And when it comes, you will talk in tongues. You won't have to cry. You won't have to struggle. You won't have to say, pick up, pick up, pick up, pick up, get going. Just start saying Jesus. Why? Jesus, they that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The best way to get the Holy Ghost is repent, first in Jesus, and you will receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. You probably haven't noticed, but I'm losing a lot of weight. I had a physical a while back. And I, uh, they said my sugar was up. I said, Doctor, I'm the only sweet guy in town. You're trying to take it away. I said, Well, I got attended it. So, now my britches keep falling. Not down, just falling. I don't know why people feel so uncomfortable to preach the truth, to talk about the truth. To communicate the truth. I don't know why they're so nervous about it. Why don't we talk about truth the way the world talks casually about error? I had a lady from the college call me. She said, Reverend Davis. I said, yeah. She talked a while. And she said, I understand your church does not embrace the doctrine of the Trinity. I said, right. She said, well, the church embraces Trinity. I said, the church does not. She said, yes, the church believes in the Trinity. I said, the church does not. She said, Reverend Davis, the church believes in the Trinity. I said, the church does not. I said, which church? She said, I'm a member of the Roman Catholic Church. I said, ma'am, that's not the church. Here's why. She said, what do you mean by that? I said, that church sits on seven hills of Rome. The church of the New Testament, you five steps on one hill. You got six hills too many. This church is on one hill. One truth, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Father of all, Father all, through all, and in you all. It is a day to get bold and feel good about being one God. Jesus' name, Spirit filled. What we believe, we do not need to be arrogant and rude. We should not put bumper stickers on our cars that are insulting to any religion. We don't have to talk down or talk abusive or unkind. We simply stand up and speak the principles of the Word of God. 
When I baptize someone in Jesus' name, I do not go through the Trinity formula that was changed. I just baptize them into the name, the most superior name known to mankind, the name of Jesus Christ. I don't have to introduce false doctrine to get across the true doctrine. I just simply tell them the Bible says, repent and be baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. I had a man send me an application to sign for a public debate. It was going to be quite a big thing for me. I had several, and this was really, I was anxious to do this because it was mainly on the salvation issue. They said that salvation is the, the, moment, the, the moment the penitent sinner believes he is saved. I said, well, I will deny that. They said, then we'll see. So they sent me something. I said, no, I don't believe that. I said, that. They said, you're not going to debate that. I said, I don't believe it. Why don't we do this? Why don't you write what you believe, and I'll write what I believe. But you don't know what I believe. They said, well, whatever. So I wrote this as an affirmative proposition in a Bible discussion. Salvation is by grace, through faith, that is demonstrated by one repentance, one of baptism by immersion into the name of Jesus Christ, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking of the tongue. They said, I'm not going to debate that. I said, that's what I believe. They said, that's too much like the Bible. I ain't debating that. That's what we believe, that we're saved by grace. We are saved by faith, by death, burial, and resurrection. the truth. I was invited downtown to pray and make a, a short speech and then pray over the opening of the county commissioners, the city council, the mayor was there, chief of police, several people were there in the room, TV cameras was in the room. This was unsolicited television. Let me clear the deck. I don't need to get in trouble in this district. <laughs> I get enough trouble in my own district. <laughs> but, um, and when I was on my way, my wife and I was walking down the hall getting ready to go in. And the lady said, uh, Reverend Davis, I understand that you believe in Holy Spirit power, speaking tongues, and all of the things. I said, yes, ma'am, we do. She said, can I ask you a question? I said, well, sure. She said, when you get in there, please remember a lot of these people do not believe in the Pentecostal idea that you have. I said, what you're doing, you're saying to me, not to get over talking tongues, you process all of them. Yes, I'd rather not do that. I said, well, what will happen if I do? She said, ooh, we'll have a problem. I said, well, let's see. She said, you're not, are you? I said, no, I won't embarrass you. I'll be so nice you can't even believe how sweet I am. And I said so many things, and I tried to get close to truth. and just say good things. And the point being made, because we have the truth, we can be kind, we can be courteous. But the moment we stand to preach, we don't have to put anybody in hell. The disposition of saved and unsaved rests in the divine nature and hands of eternal God. Our position is to preach something that will make people live and be saved. And I know people will be lost. If our gospel hit us, if it isn't their lost, having their minds blinded by the God of this world. But our issue is to preach a message clear. If the prophet given a certain sound, who shall prepare himself to battle? The world has no consensus of Jesus, and they're totally confused in their own doctrine of the Trinitarian concept because they always talk about it and have the conclu conclusion, conclusion. I'm remembering now, this is Georgia time, so I've got to swap an hour back. Okay. At the conclusion, they always say that this is a mystery that you cannot understand. That is not what the Bible teaches. 
Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. The Greek word there, mystery, simply means at one time it was hid, now it's made known. The Godhead was once hid, it is not hid, it is made known. There is one God who is spirit, who is eternal, who is without beginning and without ending, manifest in one person, made of a woman. Galatians 4 and 4, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman. Now that brings us to who should make an apology about baptism and tongues. Any preacher, any church that stands up and preaches to people, you've got to beg, plead, wrestle, and fight and fuss to try to get the Holy Ghost. You owe them an apostle, an apology. If you have a church that won't worship and won't pray and will not believe the Word of God, you owe this world an apology. If you cannot preach good enough to put some faith in someone's heart to believe, they can't be born again of Lord and Spirit, you owe them an apology. I don't preach that, and I don't owe anybody an apology. If the United Pentecostal Church doesn't owe anybody an apology, we're here to tell you that if you believe, and if you repent and you know, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God, and you'll speak in tongues and the Spirit of God give to you. Everybody say, praise God. praise God. This great revelation of one God. Jesus was fully man, and he was fully God. He spoke as man sometimes, and he spoke as God. I received a letter from a minister who said, anybody who teaches that Jesus Christ was fully man and fully God is an erroneous area. Anytime Jesus ever spoke, he spoke always as God. Immediately you go to the Bible, and it shoots it all down. John 14 and 10, Jesus said, It's not me that doeth the works you see me do. My Father in me, He doeth the works. To believe it like they're saying it in the new so-called divine flesh doctrine, God said, It's not me that doeth the works you see me do, but it's my Father that is in God. He doeth the works. That produces the King's English, and it's a violation of biblical text and truth. Hebrews 5 and 7 says that in the days of His flesh, does that mean that God's flesh didn't pray to God? That is not so. There is only one God. But Jesus was fully man, and He was fully God. He possessed the human spirit, and He possessed divine spirit. And that human spirit was sinless and pure, but that divine spirit was God. And He was used as one, not confused as two. And there is only one God, and His name is Jesus. And when you believe this message, it's going to raise you to your feet, and you're going to preach the greatest message that the world has ever heard. Everybody, and I think I'm going worldwide internet, or web, or whatever they call it. That's, that's good. I'm going to go home and tell my people I was preaching to several million people, more or less. There is nothing any greater than to preach to this world. The fact that they can have an experience that brings them into a body of believers that is holy, that is pure, that is godly, and that is going to be in the rapture. And it's equally great to know that you can preach to people they can be baptized in this body and baptized into a name that will blot out all sins by His blood. And that once in the body, there are numerous spiritual gifts. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, interpretation of tongues, diverse kinds of tongues, and uh, miracles of the, uh, the word Greek there is really operation of the powers of God. To know that there are so many blessings in the kingdom of God. And only to stand up and say, since people in my church did not receive the Holy Ghost and talk in tongues quickly and easily, there must be something wrong with the doctrine. There's wrong, something wrong with the preaching. 
Because if you preach the Word, it brings the faith. And the faith brings the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the power of God. Everybody can have the Holy Ghost. Be baptized in His name, in His Spirit, by His power, and have life and have that life more abundantly. Let's lift our hands and love the Lord and let's worship God. Praise be unto the Lord our God. Blessed be the Lord our God. Let's all stand to our feet, lift our hands, and thank God for Bible truth and for steadfast conference that promotes the basic fundamentals of this truth that the whole world needs to know. Everybody needs to know who He is, what He is, what He can do, and His power. Let's love Him one more time, please.